<clears throat> want to go into it? Yes. Let's do it. You lead the awesome. way. It's your side note. Hi, everybody. I'm Dana. I'm Kristen. This is Darker Side of Life, and this is the side note episode to our Alcatraz escapee episode that we did last week. So if you haven't listened to the Alcatraz episode, shame on you. Go back and listen <laughs> to that first. <laughs> and I didn't then- expect that. <laughs> oh, I am. Got to keep things fresh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you should go back and listen to it. It's pretty interesting, but no shame on you. <laughs> shame people. Um, but no, go back and listen to that first before you head into this side note episode. So you can learn a little bit more about Alcatraz and what life was like there and escaping from there. But Dana has more. <laughs> learn about escaping from Alcatraz. It's a good thing it's not like a prison now because I think we almost gave a little bit of a how-to oh, in that kind of episode. <laughs> Just I hope not. Steal a lot, a lot of stuff and play musical instruments. <laughs> if you had to, before we get into this, if you had to play one instrument to distract prison guards while your friends worked on escaping, what instrument would you choose? Not the accordion, something other than you. Yeah, probably the bagpipes. Oh, that's a good one because that would be very like like noisy enough to distract. I mean, a guitar probably wouldn't do it, but I don't think I'm allowed to have bagpipes in prison. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to have an accordion in prison, apparently. I mean, I guess so. If you can have that, what can I have bagpipes? Um, what would I do? I would do an organ. That's like some very Phantom of the Opera. Can you like just picture like dun 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 dun, like while somebody's like chiseling their way out of a tunnel in prison? Yeah. At first, my first thought was a ukulele, just because I really like ukulele. A ukulele is not going to cover up any sound. It's not. They're going to be like, "Who is playing the ukulele while we're trying to dig tunnels?" Such a fun instrument. Bagpipes would be really cool. Yeah, bagpipes would be my one if I'm going to drown out sound. And I would sound like Ross Geller because I don't know anything about bagpipes <laughs> or how to play. It's going to be, it's going to be bad. People would not like me. I'd probably get jumped a lot in prison you and probably like they'd probably would. be stolen from me. So I would need a plan B on how to make noise. Okay. Anyway. Nice. Tell us a little more about Alcatraz. Okay. I won't get into all the history because I mean, you can probably Google it if you're super, super interested. But of course, most people know it as a federal penitentiary and it was Supposed to be known as like, you know, the place where like the worst of the worst go and it was supposed to be inescapable. But a lot of people went there, too, that have escaped other prisons and they just kind of can't hold them. So they take them to the rock. And that's how a lot of people didn't get automatically like sentenced to Alcatraz or whatever. It's usually inmates that are transferred from other prisons. Mm -hmm. And some inmates actually requested Alcatraz. And I talked about this a little in uh, the last episode. Um, they had a huge prison library, and they had I have written down fifteen thousand books and magazines available to them, which is, I guess, pretty big for prison library prison standards. Library, yeah, yeah, and um, it had a one person per cell policy, uh, which made it harder for people to be like attacked by other inmates or anything like that, or their cellmates. So people liked having their own room. So you got your own room, you got a lot of books, and the food was really, really good like to prison standards because all the wardens at the time, they knew that most prison riots were caused by like over food and like bad food. So like we're going to keep them well fed, we're going to keep them like with good yeah. food and that way they're not going to, they won't have like a reason to fight. If everybody mm-hmm. has good food available to them, there's nothing to steal from anybody or you don't have to hide anything. You don't have to like trade it as contraband or anything like that. Unless you were in the hole, which I'll talk about that later. And as far as prisons go, it really wasn't that bad of a deal, you know, for most people. (laughs) Says the people who are not out in prison. (laughs) 
except in the early days, when it first became a federal prison, they had some really harsh rules. And in the 1930s, they had a rule of silence where inmates were forbidden to talk to each other except during mealtime and recreational periods. And there was an inmate name. Uh, I don't know how to say this. It's pronounced or it's spelled R-U-F-E. And I don't know if it's like Roof or Rufe or however it's pronounced. But his last name is Percival. He was in prison for murder, robbery and kidnapping in Arkansas. So he was one of the um, pretty the bad ones. And this was in the, like the late 20s or early 30s. And the prison he was in at in Arkansas was a farming prison where like prisoners like did farm work on it and like grew crops and stuff and like worked in fields and whatnot around it. And his job was to man a shotgun and shoot any prisoner that tried to run off like from the farm work in the fields. So let's give the convicted murderer a shotgun. A shotgun. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. And so he shot a prisoner who tried to escape and he got some time shaved off of his own sentence. And then he went out and murdered somebody else when he got out. So he goes back to the prison in Arkansas. So he gets the same job again. So he shoots another prisoner that's trying to escape. And this time he's rewarded with more time off of that sentence. I I don't (laughs) understand their logic here. (laughs) Right. Okay. So then he, he killed one prisoner and he permanently disabled three prisoners. So he gets in prison a lot between Arkansas and Atlanta and transferred back and forth and all that. But given that he's killed other prisoners before and hurt them, he is extremely unpopular among other inmates because now he has a reputation. He'll kill other inmates. Shocker. Since his reputation is growing and it's extremely disruptive to prisons that he's in, they send him to Alcatraz. So now he gets sent there during the time when the silence rule is in effect. He gets in fights with a lot of other inmates a lot because he's like one of these people. So he gets put down to D block, which is solitary confinement. And he spent about nine months down there. And most people spent maybe 10 days at a time in solitary confinement. And he was down there for nine months. He was not able to talk to anybody else. Like he had no communication with anybody at all during the day. He was by himself completely. And sometimes he would get to like clean up this garage area and like sweep, you know, kind of for a job. Mm -hmm. And one day he's sweeping in this garage and there's like a fire truck parked there and he sees an axe on the side of the fire, on the side of the fire truck. Because no one watches anything in Alcatraz. This notorious killer who keep weapons away from him, you know, (laughs) don't let him have weapons. (laughs) So he goes to this axe, he picks it up and he raises it in the air with his right hand and he just chops off all of his fingers on his left hand. Ah, oh. so another inmate and a guard are nearby and then like stop him and they're like you know trying to pull it away from it he's trying to cut off his feet and he was trying to cut off his other fingers like what he had left and the whole time he's do this he's like grinning and just laughing so another inmate and a guard are nearby and they stop him because he's trying to cut off his feet he's trying to cut off his other fingers and they say when they like tackle him and like get the axe away from him, he's just grinning and laughing the whole time. He went crazy. I mean, I don't blame him being in solitary confinement for nine months. Right. Even in the prison infirmary, when they treated him, they said he was still trying to find figure out ways to like take off his hands and feet. He like he's still trying to find a way to like gone. chop off his fingers and toes. So it said that he was either trying to get transferred off of Alcatraz into a mainland prison. So he like cut off his fingers to like claim insanity. Mm-hmm. Or that maybe it was that all the time silence rule and the solitary confinement spending so much time down there that it just pretty much drove him insane. Yeah. And he went like a little crazy for it. But after that incident, they revoked the silence rule. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That incident is kind of seen as the catalyst to like make that mm-hmm. happen. Like we, we got to let people have some kind of communication. 
So I'll tell you a little bit more about D Block now, which is that's where Rufy Roof Roof Roof. I forgot his name. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. (laughs) Well, we spent how much time trying to (laughs) trying to figure out how to pronounce domesticity? I still can't pronounce it. Domesticity. So where he spent most of his time, and you'll probably understand why he went a little crazy when I tell you stories about D-Block. D-Block was solitary confinement, and this is where the worst inmates went for punishment. And normally they spent anywhere from, what, 10 days to a month at, like, the most end, like, the longest part. But he spent nine months down there. Yeah. Like, months. And he was absolutely alone, not being allowed to talk to anybody. You can't have any stimulation except, like, your own thoughts. That's in your cell. I don't even like that on a day-to-day basis, just having silence in my own thoughts. I'm like, no, nine months, no thanks. Most prisoners were so anxious to get out of the hole that, I mean, they're going to straighten up once they're in there and they're going to like be good, do everything they're supposed to do, follow all the rules because they want to go back up to the their cell blocks. So the worst of the D block were cells 9 through 14. And this this was the hole. And it was colder than the rest of the prison by like 20 to 30 degrees because it was like down under a little more. And the walls are really dark. They didn't have any color on them. They're just kind of this gray, blackish color. And the cells just had a sink and a toilet in them. Like, that's all. Hmm. So either you had a thin mattress that would they would slide under the door to you at night and then take back in the morning. Oh my God. Or you had no mattress at all and you just slept on a concrete floor, which is hard and cold. Mm-hmm. And you only got like one or two like really thin blankets. It's not like you. You weren't very comfortable down there. There was a single light bulb in your cell that the guards controlled on a switch. So when it was off, they shut the door. There was no light whatsoever in some of these cells. Like they would be pitch black at times. And the food was awful in D Block too. Like the the food was better upstairs and a lot of people just wanted to, I mean, again, they would try to get out of it as fast as they could because they want to go back up there where the good food is and the books and stuff. So a lot of um, inmates spent time down there and wrote books about it later And they said they mainly got just slices of bread for meals and maybe two or three like full meals per week. Per week? Yeah, per week. And they only got one shower a week if you were in D block and one hour of rec time in the yard per week. Not day, like week. And most times you're still alone. Like you couldn't even be in the rec yard with anybody. Doesn't this violate their constitutional rights with like cruel and unusual punishment? Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, I understand that you shouldn't have a cushy life when you're in prison because you committed a crime, but it seems like that would fall under cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, not feeding it. Like, give me a meal a day or something. Like, I gotta eat. You can't just eat a slice of bread and expect that to be food. Yeah. So the worst cell in the hole was called the strip cell. And it had solid black walls and it didn't even have a toilet. It just had a hole in the floor that you had to use. And it didn't have a light bulb at all in it. And a lot of inmates apparently kept destroying the plumbing and the light fixtures. So they just removed them all together. And that's why it didn't have a toilet and a light bulb. And they called it the strip cell because the guards would strip you naked in front of the cell and then put you in it. Oh, my God. You didn't have clothes or anything. Yeah. So they stripped you of your clothes. You had nothing in that cell, nothing at all. So you just be in there naked, cold. You don't have a mattress. You don't have a blanket. You don't have a light. And hole in the ground, that's a toilet. You can imagine it stinks. Yeah, probably. It's like a porn potty. It's terrible. I would not want to be in this cell, but I really want to see it I on a tour. See it. <laughs> <laughs> which brings me to 14D, which is the most infamous cell in the hole. And you're going to like the story. You do not want to go to this one. If you think the strip um, cell is bad. Yes, I do. Oh, to, no, I don't. But to see it on well, a tour, yes, I do. Well, it's kind of the same. 
Yeah, it's kind of the same as the strip cell, solid black, just a hole. But they, some former prison guards and tour guides today, some inmates that have been in there, said that 14D is always colder than all the rest of the cells. And sometimes to the point where if it's comfortable just outside the door, some people need a jacket when they go inside because it's that much colder. Hmm. There's a legend that sometime in the 40s, there was an inmate that got sent to the hole and he was placed in 14D. And I couldn't find this guy's name or anything. So this is why I'm just a slight question mark on it, though, but still interesting. He was stripped naked and thrown in and he had absolutely nothing in a cell with him. It was just him. He didn't have clothes. He didn't have a blanket. So they said in order to keep warm that he would put a hand on a wall and just start walking around in a circle. And Mm -hmm. that way he, you know, knows where the walls are. And he was like just trying to keep his blood pumping to keep warm. Well, eventually he started to feel like he was being followed. And so he's like walking a little faster and like getting a little creeped out. So he starts screaming about a man and he sees eyes. And he starts screaming to the guard and like pounding on the door. Open the door, open the door. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. And then the guards, I mean, everybody's screaming a lot in the whole, uh, let me out, let me out, like screaming obscenities at the guards or whatever. And some people probably are a little mentally unwell from being in solitary confinement for so long. And, you know, some people just try to rile up the guards. And so people, they ignore it a lot, mm-hmm. you know, when people yeah. start screaming, acting up. So the next morning they open the cell door and he's laying dead in his cell. And he had a really horrified look on his face and he had marks on his neck consistent with strangulation. Ew. However... He had nothing in his cell with him. There was no blankets. There was no, like, string. There was nothing. So how are you going to have, like, these bruises on your neck? Yeah, the bruises are weird. And I don't think you could strangle yourself. No, because your muscles would give out. I think I read that somewhere. Like, you can't, yeah, you can't strangle yourself because eventually, like, you're just going to pass out and, like, your muscles go slack. So you can't actually do that. Oh, that's weird. If it wasn't for the marks, I would think maybe he just had a heart attack. If he just literally got scared to death and died. But yeah, that's weird. But he, yeah, allegedly died of strangulation. And multiple guards are allegedly um, said that they saw him at that morning's lineup for roll call. And that they didn't see him after that. Wait, but he was dead. I know. So maybe it was his ghost. Ew, weird. Who knows? I want to go see that cell. And of course, I couldn't find the man's name. Like everything is like kind of written like it's a story. Like the other inmates you have names for and you kind of have a little more documentation. So I don't know if this is. I try to find some documents. I don't know if it's like an urban legend that developed over time Mm -hmm. or maybe somebody did die in Alcatraz and D block or something. And it just kind of like stems from that from an actual event. Yeah. Maybe somebody did have a heart attack and that was it. And it just develops into this like spooky ghost story. But still a cool story. Alcatraz is supposed to be pretty haunted and like ghost hunters and paranormal like specialists go there all the time and it may not be like a haunting haunting like paranormal activity or bell witch or anything but there's a lot of residual hauntings and we talked about that in the um, summer wind mansion story that you told me about and it's kind of like a recording of an event that happened there Mm -hmm. and it's kind of played on playback in certain spots. And that's this is when I first learned about residual hauntings then you mentioned it in your story about summer wind mansion and I was like that's what that is yeah it's and like when you've got like events like this it leaves kind of like an imprint so yeah I can see how and plus it's very routine anyway like it's very routine in prison about when you're being fed when you're being let out for yard time when you're being told it's time for bed so it would be something I could see that could get stuck as kind of like a residual haunt plus it's a lot of bad juju there I would think yeah yeah there would be the source of one of these residual hauntings is supposedly um, Al Capone. Mm, Al Capone. Did he 
so I guess he died the Alcatraz. He was an Alcatraz. I don't know if he died in Alcatraz or not, but but he was an Alcatraz. He was one of the first group of inmates that got sent there, though, when it first opened up as a prison. Okay, so he was back in the bad days. Yeah, and of course he's like a big crime boss and a badass and all this. Like whether he was in prison or not, and if he was in prison before, he like ran the place. You know, like right. he was Al Capone. Like who's going to step to him? But when he first got to Alcatraz, they were doing like lining up and roll call and stuff like that. And then one day he stepped out of the line to say something to the warden and the warden's like, get the hell back in line, like keep your mouth shut or whatever. So he got denied every single special privilege he asked for. And it's kind of the thing where if the warden's like, if one more person speaks out of turn, everybody doesn't get their yard time today or whatever. And he's going to be like... I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it anyway. And he's like, all right, nobody gets yard time. So all the other inmates are kind of like, ow, shut your mouth, dude. You know, like one of those kind of situations. He didn't have his connections to the outside anymore. He lost a lot of those. He had a hard time trying to buy people off in this prison. Mm -hmm. He tried to bribe guards and everything. He'd always get in trouble for it because the guards reported him and all this. And one day he told the warden, it looks like Alcatraz has got me licked. <laughs> Alcatraz isn't playing a game. It's not, but his time there wasn't easy either. And he did get in fights with other inmates often because I mean, he's Al Capone, he's a big mob boss, but he did manage to rack up enough like good behavior points to where he could play a banjo in a prison band called the Rock Islanders. <laughs> a banjo. That's a good uh, instrument. I want to hear this music. <laughs> I want to hear this music so bad from the Rock Islanders. And occasionally they would like play like little concerts and stuff for other inmates. And so because he could practice in peace, you know, mm -hmm. without annoying everybody else and getting into fights, they would let him practice in the shower room when nobody else was in there. And once time in 1936, he got attacked by another inmate in the shower room while he was practicing and stabbed with a pair of scissors. So today, some people that tour the shower room says that sometimes they can hear like banjo music coming from like one of the stalls. And that's probably from Al Capone practicing the banjo where he got stabbed. And that's the source of the, like, the bad thing, like, the residual haunting that the incident that happened there that kind of keeps repeating. Dude's just trying to play his banjo. Leave him alone. So that's some spooky paranormal Alcatraz stories. Oh, I like those. I know, which is why I really want to tour Alcatraz now that I know so much about it. I want to go. I want to do a ghost tour. Oh, let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go on Alcatraz at night. Although I would not. I don't know if they do this on tours or not. But you know how in The Rock, in the movie, how when they let the tourists like go into the prison cell and then they lock the door and it's kind of like, aha, fun. You're locked up in Alcatraz when they unlock and let them out or whatever. I don't know if they do that today or not. I would not do it, though. I wouldn't go in the prison cell and let somebody lock the door behind me. Um, I think I would. Would you? Yeah. You're there. You can rescue me. I would trust the tour guide. I wouldn't want to be in the that D cell. Oh, no. Heck no. No, like, no, I don't. No, I'm not going in that one. I don't play with that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not go in D block by myself either. I mean, I can just like turn off the lights in my bedroom and let it be pitch black. And that's probably the same. <laughs> <laughs> Except are, are you calling your bedroom a prison, Dana? Um, let me look around. <laughs> she looks around. <laughs> not really. I mean, I have my cats with me, so at least I get visitation. <laughs> cool stories. Thank you. Like that's those. a side note from Alcatraz. That's a side note. Okay. So that's all I have for this. That's all you have. That's all. <laughs> this is my episode. <laughs> okay. No, that's playing. all you have. <laughs> that's all we have. Join us, what, next week for another full episode. 
if you have if you visited Alcatraz, we'd like to hear your stories. Please tell us how you enjoyed it yeah. because I want to go so bad. And I can live vicariously through our listeners if they send pictures of Alcatraz or tell, oh, have you guys had any of these? Like, did you hear banjo music in the shower room? Did you go on a ghost tour? Did you just tour it? Like any tour I think would be really cool. So I think I know. Did you go in D-Block? I would totally go in D-Block. Which is what I want to see. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. If you've been to Alcatraz, tell us your stories and how that was. Email us, darkersideoflightpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter at at DSOL podcast. And Instagram at, not at, but find us on Instagram, <laughs> Darker Side of Life podcast. <laughs> Something like that. If you Google us, you'll, you'll find, find us, I'm us. sure. You'll recognize us. And we'll see you next see week. You Thanks next for listening. Week. Goodbye. Bye.